Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. But today, I want to look at our second core value. Our second core value is this. We are unifiers, not dividers. We are unifiers, not dividers. Now, to kick off this message, before I really apply it to who we are, I want to define these two words. If you've been around Encounter Church very long, you've learned by now that I love to look at the definition of words. I love to discover what does that word really mean in the situation that we're applying it to. So the word unify is this, to cause people or things to be joined or brought together. That's the word unify, to cause people or things to be joined or brought together. Now the word divide is just the opposite as you guessed. It means this, to cause to be separate from one another. So one of these terms brings about a togetherness or a bond, the word unify, or it's divisiveness. There's a, a separation, there's a, a break, there's a wedge driven in right in the middle of what is going on. But here's what I find interesting about both of these definitions. Did you see what I saw? There's an intentional action taking place in both words, to cause. That shows me that they're not done simply by accident. I'm causing something to happen. I'm bringing about some form of change. I'm bringing about a response, either togetherness or a a separation. Either we're motivated to bring people together or we're motivated to separate them in that moment. Here's the interesting thing. They require purpose and intentionality. It doesn't happen by accident. So let me ask you this question this morning. Would you consider yourself a unifier or a divider? Personally, for you, individually, because we as a church, in a counter church, as we stand as an organization, as a church, as a body of believers, we are unifiers, we are not dividers. But what about you personally? Do you find yourself being a unifier or a divider? Now, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, he says this, I appeal to you. Now we're going to talk about that phrase, I appeal to you, in just a moment. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in, say it with me, harmony with each other. What's he talking about? He's talking about unison. He's talking about unity. He's talking about a cause of bringing things together in that moment. He says, I plead with you. I urge you. I appeal to you right here and right now under the authority of God Almighty that we must be unifiers to live in harmony with one another. Let there be, say it with me, no 
division. Was it not up there? Try that again. The word is no division. Let there be yeah, let there be no division in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united, in other words, bringing together, unifying in thoughts and purpose. Now, as a church, encounter church, and I'm going to say this numerous times because it needs to sink in, encounter church refuses to be a divider. As a Christian, we must truly take the Word of God to heart. I don't think it's happenstance. I don't think that that Paul was just in a mood when he wrote this. I believe there's a reason why Paul says, listen up, folks. You need to be unified together. Did you know that the world is going to do everything it can to cause you to be divided? Yes, no, yes. You turn on the news, you turn on social media, everything is about a divide. Everything is about a separation. This person doesn't like that person. This person's offended just because you don't believe what they believe. They unfriend you on Facebook. By the way, did you know that you can still disagree with somebody and be a friend with them? That's free. That's, that's not even in the notes. As a Christian, we must truly take the Word of God to heart. We must strive to be a people, a church, an individual of unity. Every day being motivated. Now look at that. Our definitions say to cause division or to cause unity. So every day... We must resist the urge to bring about division. But we must strive to be a people of unity. Even when we disagree with somebody, even when we're different than somebody, even when our upbringing is a whole different upbringing than their upbringing. Are you with me today? We must be a people of unity, we must bring about resolve to cause people, in our case, to be joined or brought together. Can I suggest to you today that Jesus is the solution to the problem that this world has? I think I said it a couple weeks ago, no matter what the question is, the answer is Jesus. Everywhere we look in our world right now, you are, everywhere you look, you are going to find discord, division, relational issues separation of all kinds, the list goes on and on. Whether that's on the job, whether that's social media, across our nation, even in our community, and sadly enough, even in some churches. I'm happy to tell you that as a church, this body of believer, Encounter Church, this is an amazing church. 
If you're just now checking things out, let me just tell you, this is an amazing place. Now, don't misunderstand me. I did not say perfect. Please do not ever think that you're going to find a church that's perfect. Because at some point in time, somebody's going to say something that's wrong. Somebody's going to say something that you disagree with. And you know what? It's okay if you disagree with them. We don't need to, do, to agree on everything. But we must understand that even in our disagreeing, we can be unified in our mission. I had like two amens from this section. Are, are you hearing me? Our mission, love, love God, love people. Reach, reach up, reach in, reach out. Empower, empower others to be disciples. So love, reach, empower. That's the mission. We must hold tightly to that mission. We must not waver from that mission. But there may be things along the way. There may be conversations. There may be thoughts or suggestions that somebody makes to you or they say to you that you disagree with. And that's okay. Because we're all human. We all have thoughts. You don't believe that. This afternoon, as soon as the service is over, when you get ready for lunch and you ask your family, what do you want for lunch? If you're like my family, it's going to take you a half hour to decide where you want to go eat. Because everybody's got opinion or no opinion at all. Well, I don't care where we go. Well, what about if we went over to bandanas? I don't really want bandanas. But you said you didn't care, but I really don't care. But you really do care because you don't, right? We all have an opinion. We all have a thought. And that's okay. But we must learn to function together, to walk side by side as a family of believers. It's absurd to think that the church is always going to agree upon everything. But we understand that in that moment of disagreement, we must continue to follow the mission. Again, hold tightly to the mission. Don't let loose of the mission. Love, reach, empower. If you're unfamiliar with that mission, you ha maybe that's the first time you've heard it. Again, go back and listen to that message. Let that sink into you. But we must learn to promote unity, listen carefully, inside the church, but also outside the church. As a body of believers, we must rise to the occasion and be leaders in our community. You guys are really quiet. And I can hear you, Pastor, it's easier just to sit back and watch the chaos. Sure, that's easier, but that's foolish. You see, we get all up in arms when suddenly somebody in the world does something that's ungodly. For some reason, we think that the world should act like the church, or more specifically, act like God. Well, we need to boycott them because they're not acting like a Christian. No, they're not acting like a Christian because they're not a Christian. If we want to see change, then we've got to get off our hindsight. I wasn't sure what to, word to use from the pulpit. 
We need to get up and begin to make a change. We need to quit our griping, moaning, and groaning, and complaining. Oh, I can't believe this world's in the mess. It's in the mess it's in because you haven't gotten up. We must learn to promote unity inside the church and outside the church. Can I be completely honest and transparent with you today? It is not enough to formulate unity inside these walls if we tolerate or promote division outside these walls. Oh, pastor, I don't do that. I'd remain silent. Therefore, you tolerate it. If you allow it to happen, you tolerate it. It's not enough for us to say, oh, we're one in the Spirit, we're one in the Lord. But out there, we tolerate or even promote division. If we tolerate it or promote it on the outside, I'm here to tell you, it will eventually find its way to the inside. Take that to the bank this morning. I guarantee you, if we tolerate it out there, it will make its way in here. So for the next few moments, I want to share with you two parts to this idea of unity. Now, there's a lot to this, and I'm going to ramrod through it as quickly as possible. Um, the notes are available on the Version app. You can go on there, look for events, encounter church, and it's going to pull the notes up right there and you can add notes to it you can watch what's happening i would encourage you to do that today two segments of our unity number one is this unity within the church now i can hear you some of you saying well pastor that one's pretty obvious you would think you would think that unity in the church was a a common behavior you would think that, that Christians would just get along. I mean, after all, the old song from the 60s or 70s said, they will know we are Christians by our love. So if we love one another, we're going to get along. We're going we're to function together with one purpose. But goodness gracious, sometimes we can't even uh, agree on what type of coffee to have out there or the color of carpet. In our text, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and I apologize that this message is so heavy, but man, it's so serious. If we don't take this to heart, the church will implode or even explode. We'll find ourselves just going along with the culture. We'll become no different than the country club across town. It's time that we function like a church. Unless I'm mistaken, the early church was turning their communities upside down for the kingdom of God, and people were coming to the, to coming to the Lord daily. It doesn't say weekly. It doesn't say on Sunday morning when the pastor made an altar call. But daily, guess what? That meant that you all were doing the work outside the doors rather than just sitting back and putting a sad face on emoji on that post on Facebook that you didn't like. Well, I didn't tolerate. I put a sad face. 
Took, took a couple moments there for some of you to catch that. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. He uses pretty strong words here to get their attention. He says, I urge you. I plead with you. I love the King James. It says, I beseech thee. That's serious words right there. I beseech thee. In other words, you've got to get along. You've got to take this seriously. You must get along. It's a sad day when those that profess to be a Christian cannot get along, cannot function in unity. I'm waiting for somebody to say amen. It's a sad day when the Christian can't function like Christ. I believe that the Christian that moves through life in continuous strife with his Christian brother or sister is moving through life in a displeasing manner toward God. I do not believe that lifestyle honors God. I do not believe he's impressed. Paul is appealing to the conscience of the church here. He's saying it's vital that the body of Christ, the church, work together with a heart and a passion, holding tightly to the mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He's talking about being imitators of Christ, not only on Sunday, but on Monday and on Tuesday, in our actions, in our behaviors, in our responses, and in the words that we speak. He says we are to be of one mind, we are to be of one attitude. This occurs when we have a, a common purpose, a passion. Again, our mission should be something that we have in common. It should run through the DNA of every person that calls Encounter Church their home. We must allow it to be our driving force behind this church, moving us together in unity in purpose, working together for the calling that God has placed upon our lives. We'll talk more about this next Sunday. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you have siblings, brothers or sisters? How many of you, when you were growing up, um, you had sibling rivalry, arguing, Backyard knockout, drag out occurrences. Now, fortunately, we have grown up. We've matured. We're older. We're more sophisticated, but some are still competing with their brothers and sisters. Yet, this time, we're fighting with those sitting across the room. We're fighting to get our own way. We're scheming against them. We forget that we're on the same team. We are part of the family of God, the greatest family of all. Rather than joining the team, rather than pursuing the mission, we're tempted to complain, to gripe, gossip, to backbites, to scheme, 
just so that we can get our way. Church, listen very carefully. That sort of behavior is not acceptable in God's family. It is not acceptable. Look around this room today. This is your family. We're on the same team. We must understand that divisiveness is to be taken seriously in the church. Now, this wasn't the only scripture in the Bible when Paul said, listen carefully, you've got to work together in unity. You've got to work together when one purpose and one drive. The Bible is very clear that this idea of unity or the avoidance of division is a serious, serious matter. In fact, Romans chapter 16 says this, again, Paul writing, but this time to the church in Rome. He says, I appeal to you. There's that same phrase. I urge you. I plead with you. I beseech thee to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that have been taught. Again, we hold tightly to the mission. Avoid them. Look at that. Here he didn't just say, watch out. He doesn't just say, we really need to get along. But this time, he says, if you see somebody that causes that kind of division, stay away from them. These aren't my words, folks. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Avoid them for such people, for such persons, do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. And then in Titus chapter 3, it says, If people are causing division among you, give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. Folks, we got to take this idea of unity. We are unifiers, not dividers. We've got to take this seriously. This is why that's one of our core values. Because the Bible says if somebody is a divider, if somebody is causing division amongst God's people, give them one chance, yes. Give them two chances, sure. But the third time around, you need to have nothing to do with them. That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? I mean, we're like, oh, well, we should give them 145 chances. Can I just say something that stupid is what stupid does? Do I need to explain that? Guys, it's, it's stupidity to bring about division when God's word is very clear. It must be taken seriously. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sin condemns them. Therefore, I, I urge you, I urge you today, resist the urge to allow the enemy to make you a puppet for his crafty schemes. He'll try that. Oh, and he's sly. 
He'll start whispering into your ear, is that really what you want? Is that really what you think they should do? Do you really like that idea? And he knows how to get your feathers ruffled. Yeah? And he'll start whispering, and and then you're like, huh, maybe you're right. Maybe there's truth to that. And then you'll go to somebody else. You know, I was just thinking the other day. You weren't thinking. You were listening to the wrong voice, first off. I was thinking the other day, and I'm not really sure that this... Well, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. You know why they were thinking the same thing? Because the same enemy was whispering the same thing in their ears. And what happens? Division. Separation. Turmoil. Can I be honest with you? It's hard to to rest and to lean back in the presence of God when there's a turmoil stirring on the inside. Don't allow the lies that he tells to be rooted in your mind. Don't allow that issue to become a major event. If you've got an issue with somebody, the Bible says the greatest way to resolve that issue is to put it all over Facebook, to get on your telephone, to gripe to everyone. Is that what it says? No. The Bible says if you want to bring about resolution, if you want to join things back together, go to that brother or go to that sister that you have an issue with and have a conversation with them. Work toward resolve. It doesn't take long. Oh, please, do me a favor. Don't just send them a text and say, hey, let's, let's chat about this via text and resolve this. You won't resolve it via text because you're going to read into everything that they type and suddenly they, for some reason or another, are typing in all caps. And you're like, they are now yelling at me. Why are they yelling at me? They're not yelling at you. They hit the text button because they're an adult and they don't know how to use this thing. I'm just saying that because I'm an adult and I don't necessarily know how to use this thing. Our children's ministry handed me a walkie-talkie this morning and wanted me to change the channel. I have changed that channel every Monday during food distribution and know how to do it, right? This morning, I could not figure it out. In fact, I got it locked on weather. And I'm like, I got nothing. And I walked away. There comes a point when we just step into adulthood and we go, technology, huh? Right? So don't just send them a text. Don't resolve it that way. Don't resolve it via email. Pick up the phone, have a conversation. Go face-to-face. Go have coffee. Meet up someplace. Just hash through it together. Bring about cause things to come together. Don't tolerate, don't promote division. Strive for unity. I urge you, I plead with you, I beseech thee. Work for unity in the church. And secondly is this, unity outside our walls. Now remember, I said it's, not, it's one thing to, to form and create and cause unity here, but if we fail to do unity out there and we're tolerating or promoting disunity, 
it's going to make its way here. So we got to do a work out there. Whether you agree or not, there's a major issue in our nation right now. Agree or disagree? There's disunity. There's a, a great divide socially. There's a great divide economically. There's a great divide racially. And I believe that it's not of God. I believe it's not of God. I saw something online a couple weeks ago that really struck me, and I thought, i got to share this this morning. The problem is sin, not skin. The answer is grace, not race. Jesus died for all. What this world needs is Jesus. That's it. Jesus is the answer. Church, it's time for the people of God. It's time for those that call themselves a Christian. By the way, that word means little Christ. Originally, it was a derogatory term. Oh, look at him. He's a little Christ. Isn't that cute? But why not grab a hold of that word? Why not truly begin to be a little Christ? Why not truly begin to represent him? The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 11, that God does not show favoritism, nor should we. We should reach out to all people, regardless of economic status, regardless of which side of the tracks they live on, regardless of what color their skin is. As a childhood song used to say and still does, Jesus loves the Little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and green, you're the ugliest one I've seen. No, that's not it. That's not it. Um, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves. Now, see, you're not going to hear anything else I said. Some of you are writing that one down. You're like, I got to use that one. No, that's not nice. Don't let that be the only thing you remember. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Do we believe this? Do we believe that Jesus loves everyone? If so, let's represent him. And the love that we display must resemble the love that he demonstrated for us. That while we were still sinners, while we were still messing up, he gave everything. Galatians chapter 3 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He loves us all. Church, we must lead the charge, we must lead the way in the elimination of any and all prejudice. No matter job, by the way, I support our police department 100%. These men and women are fighting hard to keep us safe every day. But that doesn't mean that I hate others. Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves us all. We must reach all people, the great commission, go into all the world and share the good news with 
everyone. There's not a little asterisk after that that says, except for this group or except for that group. No. We got to promote unity. We must cease to allow differences to bring a wedge and create a divide. We must work for resolution. Now, again, as I stated a few weeks ago, this never means that we change the word of God and we allow sin to run rampant. Sin is still sin. We must love the individual, but let God do the change. But there are many times that the divide is not created or caused by sin. It's caused by a predetermined judgment. It's caused by something we've conjured up in our minds about that person because somebody like that, be it race or be it job or be it whatever, somebody like that or be it a millennial. And we, we give them a bad rap, don't we? Sometimes it's warranted, but Jesus still loves them. But we lump everybody together because that's how they all are. No, they're not all like that, just the loud ones are. Right? No matter where you look, you're going to find somebody that does something wrong. Have you ever seen a bad driver? So if you've seen a bad driver, that means all drivers are bad, right? Right? That means we should just ban cars, right? We should just walk everywhere. Well, I've also seen people that trip when they, when they walk, so maybe we should ban walking also. Well, then if we just stay seated all the time, we'll get fat. Well, let's, just, let's ban sitting all the time. Are you seeing the, the cycle here? We've got to look beyond a stereotype, and I know that was extreme, but it worked. We've got to look beyond the stereotype and we have to look at the opportunity to invest in the person. This should be our final desire. Second Corinthians, finally, brothers and sisters, aim, five brothers rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Work toward resolution. Work toward resolve. Hang out in the presence of God. And here's our final answer. Daily live like Jesus. And I'm going to wrap through this quickly. Daily live like Jesus. Band, if you guys want to come. Philippians chapter 2. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's hard, but listen to this. Jesus is a master at relationships. He modeled a great example for us. How do we live in unity? How do we work with one another? So what did Jesus do? If we're going to model him, what did he do? Number one, he didn't demand his rights. Wow. That's so counter right now, isn't it? Because you cannot flip through Facebook. You can't turn on the news without somebody going, but I had the right to do. If we're going to model Jesus, we don't demand our own rights. All the American culture will try to convince you to do just the opposite. But Philippians chapter 2 says this, though he was God, Jesus did not demand or cling to his rights as God. Number two, he was willing to serve. 
Instead, the Bible says he gave up his divine privilege, took on the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. Now, the word gave up, it says he gave up his divine privilege, literally means that he emptied himself. For us, he said, you know what? I'm going to empty myself of my rights as God so that I can reach into your life. When is the last time that you emptied yourself for someone else's behalf? To lend a hand? To hear their hurts? Just to listen to them? Here's the question. How do you know if, if you have a serving attitude? Again, Jesus emptied himself to become a servant for us. How do we know if we've grabbed a hold of that? Here's how you know. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be a servant of all. You will know whether you've given yourself, emptied yourself to be a servant when someone treats you like a servant and you're okay with that. If we want to achieve anything of lasting value for the kingdom of God, we must learn to serve, to become a a team player, being willing to empty ourselves, to sacrifice for the betterment of the whole. We must learn to put selfish ambitions aside. And finally, number three, Jesus was willing to sacrifice for others. Verse 8 of Philippians 2 says, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died on a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus willfully came. He emptied himself. He gave up his divine right. He looked out for you. He died on the cross, humbling himself. So let me ask you this question. In your mind, who is worthy of your sacrifice? Now, our initial thought is, well, everyone's worthy of our sacrifice. We're in church this morning. I I need to say that. Everyone's worthy of of me giving it. who's, Who's the person that you're thinking of right now that's not worthy? Who's that person that's gone too far? Maybe they've made you angry. Maybe they treated you wrong. And I just tell you that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, people had spit on him, they mocked him, they beat him, they had ripped out his beard, tortured him, nailed him to a cross, crown on his head, and yet what did he say? Father, forgive them. In other words, they are worthy of my sacrifice. They are worthy of me emptying myself out. Ephesians chapter 4 says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together in peace. Where does that peace come from? From God. God's Word tells us that that peace is ours through Jesus Christ. So I challenge you today, be more than just an imitator. Don't just put on some fronts, but truly allow all that God is to consume who you are. 
so that you promote and cause unity. Not just here, but out there as well. We as a church, we're unifiers. We're not dividers. Let's pray. God, would you help us today? Lord, this isn't isn't really an easy core value. Lord, it's not always easy to, to be a unifier because sometimes people do things that aggravate us. And the flesh side of us, the last thing that the flesh wants to do is work to, to a resolve. But oftentimes we, we want to work to a, a divide. Would you help us today? Would you speak across this house, speak to your people right now? Church, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, two questions. Number one, you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't have Jesus in my life. This is the most important question you'll ever be asked. Do you want to ask Jesus to come into your life today? He loves you. He died for you. He sees your mistakes and he loves you anyway. Good news for you, every one of us have messed up. Because of the grace of God, we've received forgiveness. If you're here today and you haven't received him as your Lord and Savior, but today you want to ask Jesus to come in and be your Savior to forgive you, would you raise your hand? Should we pray with you today? All across the house. My second question is this. You say, Pastor, I, I want to be a unifier. But I find myself at times not moving that direction. I know that's hard to admit, but with God's help, we can make it. If that's you, and you want prayer, would you raise your hand? Yes. All right. Well, let me pray with you today. God, I pray for every person right now that's battling with this idea of unity versus division. Whether that be in the church, whether that be outside of these walls, Lord, help us to represent you well. Lord, give us a boldness and a confidence, Lord, to rise to the occasion, not to tolerate it, not just to avoid it, Lord, but to bring about a resolve, to cause unity. Lord, help your church to truly be the church. We can't do it without you, God. So we give it to you. In Jesus' name.